0: You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to the Sports Fix. A Sports Fix Thursday. Tommy, by phone, I'm in studio. Uh, a couple things to get to. I do have a, a very, um, I think, complicated, Tommy, Redskins, I'm sorry, Washington football team topic that I want to explain to you. I did not do a great job, I don't think, explaining it to my callers this morning. I, we got a lot of calls on the subject, but a lot of people said, I'm not really ex- exactly sure what you're getting at. It was one of those things that I think was too abstract, especially for some of the callers to, to the radio show. I think you'll understand it, but we'll wait on that here. Um, because right before we started the show, can I start by telling you something about my granddaughter? So go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, we, we we picked up our granddaughter uh, who flew in with my my oldest son, uh, volunteered to go out to Spokane to get her and to bring her back for a visit. You know, she usually comes with us to the beach every year. We'll be going to the beach in about a week. Right. Uh, so she came last night, she's about to turn 11 and, uh, you know, she's, she's great. I mean, she's a lot of fun. Uh, she's got a lot of personality and, uh, we got into, we were watching, uh, Captain Marvel last night, (laughs) like about 11. And it's the first time I've seen Captain Marvel. I've been wanting to see it, but my wife didn't want to see it. So finally I I found somebody with my mentality, an 11 to 10 year old who wanted to see it. So we started, you know, uh, we started talking about superheroes. And I said, well, the Hulk is the, the superhero, and she insisted it was the Flash. And it became a very heated argument
0: oh, God. between
1: the Flash and the Hulk. Uh-huh. So so for the first time ever... I hope
0: you didn't argue with her the same way you argue with me.
1: Oh, of course I do.
0: Okay.
1: Of course I do. Okay. She needs to learn how to be a lavera Okay. Okay. Yeah. So... For the first time, I posted a poll on Twitter. I've never posted a poll before, because I think they're, they're kind of self-serving and useless.
0: Why do you think they're uh, self-serving?
1: Well, because I don't see what the point is. I mean, they're usually serving your, your purpose. I... Self-serving is something that serves your purpose.
0: Yeah, it's ser- I will tell you that the polls for me, when I've done them, are purposefully done so that I have a topic for the show the next day. Okay. Don't
1: interrupt me when I'm right, okay?
0: You're you're right.
1: Okay. So I posted this. Granddaughter is here. First night of her visit, we got into a heated debate. Who is the greatest superhero, the Flash or the Hulk? So why not the first poll I've ever posted on Twitter, given their value? And uh, so far, I've got 111 votes. And I posted it 17 minutes ago. And? Uh, oh well, the Hulk is gonna look. I didn't mean to crush her, her dreams, but the Hulk is gonna win. He's right, already he's already winning by by you know sixty six to thirty three. Have it's you? Not, it's, ha- it's not even an argument, Kip.
0: Have you shown her the 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 results of the poll? I mean that that would be fun for her to track.
1: Well, I will, uh, but uh, like I said, I only posted it seventeen minutes ago. So uh, you know, I will i Was the flash? But, yeah.
0: Was the flash what led Tom Hanks to Frank Abagnale Jr. and him realizing that he's a kid? And he made the reference to the pinstripes and a kid that was from New York. Was it the flash? I don't remember.
1: Why in in Big movie Big?
0: No, 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 no. In when... um in Catch Me If You Can.
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Because there's know. there's a um. He uses I, I, whatever. I'm not. I'm not. I think you know this. I'm not a superhero comic book guy. Right. Um, I get that. But I remember Hanks is at a diner, you know, as the uh, the guy that's that's chasing Frank Ab- Ab- Abagnale Jr. is Frank Abagnale Jr. Is, is is forging checks all over the country as an airline pilot, and. um he, there's a name that's tied to the Flash that the waiter mentions to Hanks, and Hanks goes, wait a minute, what did you say? And then he says, well, I saw that you had this name written down. That's who the Flash is. And then that was a clue that that the guy that he was searching for was a kid, and then one of the calls he had referred to the Yankees and the pinstripes, and, you know, um, he said he's a kid from New York, and that led them to the mother's house and the picture in the yearbook where he said, "Up, oh, that's him.
1: You remember a lot from that movie. That must be one of your favorite movies.
0: I love that movie. I absolutely I like love too, that movie.
1: I wouldn't rank it You know, as one of my favorites, but it certainly was memorable for you.
0: I love that movie, and I think that, I don't know what it is, but DiCaprio in so many of his movies over the last 15 years, Go, I mean, I don't know what he did before the Titanic, which is a movie you haven't seen. Um, but I, I Isn't that I, I, great? <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. <laughs> um, of course you would be proud of that. Um uh, I think that, you know, the, the Tarantino movies in particular, including the last one, once upon a time in Hollywood, he's just so, he's so good and he's so versatile and he was great in catch me if you can. I think the, there, there is a flash reference there. Um,
1: I'm sure you're right. You're I, probably right. I may
0: not be right. I Cause I'm not a comic book it. guy. Hey, did you get your COVID-19 test?
1: Oh, yes, I did. That's right. Somebody asked about it. I got it uh, last Friday. Uh, It was uh, a drive through testing in Frederick. Uh, I had to wait two hours in line in a car to get it, which is no big deal. I didn't mind. It's not like I got anything to do. Uh, And it was the big big swab uh, where they stick it up your nose for like 15 seconds. Uh, And it was uncomfortable but tolerable. You know, I'd have no problem having it done again if I had to do it that way. Uh, and you, I you got the long there.
0: swab up your up your nose, right?
1: Yes, yes I did. And
0: you say you did you just I'm sorry, I missed that. Did you say It was it was uncomfortable but tolerable. Okay, my reaction okay. as you know was that it tickled and I felt like sneezing when it was over.
1: Well that's what somebody else described as how it would feel. But it didn't feel that way to me. It was—it was a bit uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> well, maybe but I have bigger see, nose. Have, n- maybe I've got more space up there in my nostril.
1: I—I th- I think you may. You know, I have a small nose. Yes, you I do. have a—I a, have a classical Roman nose.
0: A that classical is. Roman nose. Hmm. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, I. Do. Not the big, use the big Italian snod. Right. But the classical Roman nose. That's what I've got. So it, it's one of the handful of things that God got right.
0: Yeah, well, hits my
1: nose, so I probably have a small cavity in there.
0: Hopefully, you got you know uh, more Italian and less Irish in other parts of your body. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, the um, so you won't get results back. I mean, people are waiting two, three weeks to get the results.
1: Not in, not in major league baseball. No, or I Basketball am, I know. or hockey.
0: Yeah, hockey, you know, hockey, and basketball. Results. Spotless right record right now.
1: Yeah. Yes, they, they may, Zero they may tests. have found they maybe have found a solution. You know? Uh isolation mass testing. Who knew? These these are novel
0: concepts. <laughs> yeah. Um true. I mean clearly a bubble is I mean, I don't know that it w- it wasn't obvious before, though. I mean, that a bubble would have a better chance of succeeding than teams that were going home and going out and getting onto planes and going to different cities, obviously. The question is, can you play football in a bubble city? Do you know, and I was thinking about this, that this area would be – potentially an NFL bubble city because of all of the stadiums within a short distance of one another. You know, the Baltimore, Washington area being 30, 35 miles between each other with all of these stadiums. You would have M&T Bank. You would have the University of Maryland Stadium. You would have FedEx Field. You would have Marine Corps um, at Navy. You have a lot of stadiums yeah, in a in yeah. a very tight period. You know, College Park, Landover, Annapolis, and Baltimore. I mean, you're talking about a 30, 30 mile stretch max of four major stadiums that you could play in. Am I? I, I mean, would
1: th- I would think the Bay Area would be comparable.
0: Yes, the Bay Area Although would be the, comparable.
1: The 49ers play an hour away from the. Bay Oh,
0: that's area why it wouldn't be. They play. Yeah, they play yeah. in Santa Clara now, so it wouldn't be.
1: It's key our stadium
0: still standing. <laughs> yeah, right. Candlestick is <laughs> is not there anymore. Um so uh you know, Tommy, it wouldn't shock me at all with the results that are coming out of Orlando, Toronto, and Vancouver with zero positive tests now from both leagues through the last testing period. If the NFL is trying to come up with an answer as to whether or not they could pull this off,
1: oh, I think they have to be considering it I mean, look, I mean, I reevaluated my position on the n h l certainly, although that should have been obvious to me when they decided to play in Canada, but the n b a in particular, because so far they've been able to- to keep guys from busting out except for the occasional uh trip out for wings at, at the strip club. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh other other than that they've managed to contain and I should have recognized that they have a shorter uh they have a shorter goal. They just have to get through their playoffs. You know, so That's right. uh and so I, I mean I, I should have recognized when I said none of these leagues will finish uh I I may have to amend that uh unless there's some kind of big breakout. And where where you know NBA players start to go a little nuts and and uh, go to go to Universal Studios instead of Disney World to look for a little fun, uh, I think this may succeed. And if you're the NFL, you got to say, well, you know, give, give me a plan. Give me a plan in 48 hours where we could pull this off, and at least consider it.
0: Yeah, I mean they're, they they got to be considering a lot of those things. Um, you know, the college football's obviously uh, optimistic because now all these leagues are releasing their schedules now. The Big 10 released their schedule yesterday for a conference only situation. And um, it's it's odd because Ohio State and Michigan have closed the, the regular season against each other for like 700 years. And this is uh, the first year that it's not going to happen. They're going to play each other in mid-October if it does happen. And a lot that's going into the thinking is... You know, we've got to have flexibility with our games earlier in the year, midseason, if we have to cancel we them, we can then move them to the end of the year. So if Ohio State and Michigan were scheduled for the end of the year and it got canceled or postponed, you're running out of room before the championship game. So they want to make sure they play it rather than risk not playing it. But – um I don't know. I mean, I will just keep saying it's not very, you know, interesting. I just don't know how anybody really knows. But the thing that we are learning is that the bubble cities and the fact that they're late in their seasons. To your point, and in the the case of of the NHL, they've already started their postseason with several of the teams. Um, they just have a much better chance of of succeeding. Uh, real quick. Yeah,
1: and you see, also, real quick. Yep. Uh, uh, one more component of this, which I think comes into play for baseball and the NFL in particular, is the calendar. Uh, they're going to be playing in, in a time that what's anticipated uh, by some experts will be a very difficult time to contain the virus in the fall and the winter. Right.
0: All right. Um Real quickly, I want to mention MyBookie.ag. Uh, they're a sponsor of this show, and they give me a bunch of copy to read, and I don't read the copy because I know gambling, I know how to gamble online, and I know what will be important to all of you. If you're considering a second or third site to gamble through or your first site, mybookie.ag is one you should consider. You need to be confident that you are getting fair point spreads, fair money lines, fair pricing, and of course that if you win, you're going to get paid and you get that through mybookie.ag. By the way, they don't just have a sports book, which they have, which allows you to bet on all these games and bet a lot of futures bets. They've got a lot of stuff on on their site. I was going going through it last night. They've got the U S presidential election odds. You can bet on a lot of different things in addition to sports, but they also have a live casino. Now I would tread lightly on the casino. I've got a little bit of experience in playing online blackjack, online craps, Tommy, and it can become very addictive and very dangerous. You know, when you're sitting at a table with a bunch of friends drinking beers in Vegas, playing cards, it's a social experience. If you're just playing online, I mean, think about the things you can do online that all of a sudden you come up for air and it's like seven hours later. Well, that can get dangerous, you know, if you're gambling online, but... They've got so many options to keep you entertained in their online casino. So many different blackjack options, so many different poker options, craps options. So they have that as well. And if you're a horse guy, which I don't know how many of you are, Tommy is, you can bet the horses too uh, at mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag. Also, tell them that you heard about them from me, if you do that and you mention my promo code, Kevin DC, you'll get a free $10 MLB wager. MyBookie.ag for a reliable, fair site where if you win, you get paid. All right, I, I wanted to um, share something with you real quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but... I um I was reading last night. Somebody sent me this story from Forbes. Uh, it was written yesterday by Tommy Beer in Forbes magazine, and it's titled "Washington's NFL team received national attention, but high schools are also abandoning Redskins name." So the story is not that long, but basically speaks to that many high schools off of the Washington football team ending their name, the Redskins, that some high schools, or what they refer to as secondary schools across the U.S., are following the Washington football team's lead on this. Um, The opening paragraph, Tommy, reads as follows. With Washington's NFL team finally succumbing to public and financial pressure and retiring the Redskins name and logo, high schools throughout the country that have carried the same name for decades have similarly decided to drop it, though not all have made that call. And what's really interesting as you get into this story you realize that those schools around the country that had the Redskins as their name, and according to this story they they, they referenced the l a times fifty three high schools you know prior to the Redskins dropping their name um, still had the Redskins as their school team nickname and mascot. And they reference a few schools like uh, Forest Hills in Cincinnati and Clinton High School in Michigan um, and a couple of others. And then they mention this. Some American secondary schools have publicly declared they have no intention of changing names, despite the raging controversy. Red Mesa High School is located in Arizona, and its student body is almost exclusively Native American. Its website reads, We are proud of our ancestry, we are proud of who we are, and we are proud to be the home of the Redskins. Andre Ponder, who is red mesa 's superintendent, told the Arizona Republic that commute that the community and alumni support i 'm sorry the community and alumni support the current logo of the school closed quote well Pinnett High School in the state of Washington, which is not mentioned in this story but is a famous Native American high school in this name conversation because it was that high school's system that uh, thought back in 2014, wow, there's a lot of pressure from a lot of media people for us to change the school's nickname from Redskins to something else. Maybe we're missing something. Maybe we need to look at this a little bit further. And they did a bunch of research, and they held uh, a couple of community uh, events, and then they held a vote. And overwhelmingly, the vote was oh, we've spent some time thinking about this. We don't want you to tell us what we should be offended by. We're keeping the name. And that school system and that school still has and still uses Redskins as its school nickname. This story basically indicates that a lot of non-Native American schools are dropping the name, but that the Native American schools that have had the name are not dropping the name. And I just, this has been part of, to me, Tommy, all along, something that should have been a disconnect to a certain degree for the Max Kellermans and the, you know, and the Florios and the Peter Kings and the Mike Wises of, okay, maybe it isn't so cut and dried. Maybe the fact that Native American high schools have the name and refuse to change it maybe there, I should rethink that this is such a slam-dunk issue. But as I mentioned in the recording of this for historical purposes over the last month, there's no mention of any of this. I give Forbes, this guy, credit because he intended to write a story where every high school in America was following the, the pro football team's lead, but it, what he found out is, oh, yeah, every high school except for those with Native Americans in it, they're yeah. not following the lead.
1: You know, Kevin... We've talked about this before, uh, and we've been in in agreement on this, is that uh, it's sort of disingenuous at the outrage that you have about this name among some people when compared to the Native Americans, a a significant number of which have have weighed in on two different polls, and now, uh, with the opportunity to change the name, are, are, are saying, no, this is something we're proud of. We're not going to change it. This shows sort of the hypocrisy of the whole movement that, that that just gets drowned out. It's always been drowned out, though. You know, I mean, people look at you like you have two heads when, when you try to defend this.
0: I know. I, I, I get that. I, uh, but, again, you know, it's never been about, at least for me... Um, hey, this is, you shut up, you be quiet. This poll that came out in 2016, or the one in 2004 from Annenberg, or the survey uh, last year that associated the word with proud among among Native Americans, we shouldn't be discussing this at all. That's never been my position. My position has always been, well, what about these things? I mean, doesn't this make it a lot? uh, uh, Doesn't this make it worth discussing, worth debating rather than it's the N word, it's dictionary defined racist, drop the mic, walk away and say, don't want to hear it. My, you know, I'm putting my hands over my ears. You got to change the name. You're a racist. If you use it. I mean, it's just so stupid. It's so, and I I, I'm trying to get away from being uh, caring and being frustrated about this anymore. But what really bothers me is what I told you two, three weeks ago when it all came about is that, You know, 20 years from now, people are going to look back at the time that the name finally changed in July of 2020, and they're going to read all these columns, and they're going to think, oh my God, how did it last that long? If it was so awfully uh, awful and so shamefully racist, how could this fan base and this owner and these people root for a team with that terribly racist name? Because that's what they've written here over the last couple of weeks. And, of course, that isn't a fair or accurate description of what this has been about. Because they've been very disingenuous in those columns. Barry Zverluga is the only column. I'm sure others have done this. Zverluga is the only column I read where he said, it's time for the change. But then acknowledged, which Florio never does, which Peter King never does, which Max Kellerman never does, that this has been a complex issue. And it's been complex because the people that should matter the most are conflicted. And not just conflicted, every piece of data out there says that an overwhelming percentage of them don't deem this word to be insensitive and, in fact, don't want it changed. But whatever, the ship has sailed. I thought, uh, I thought that that column was interesting because, again, you know, yes, uh, primarily non Native American high schools are following suit. They're being pressured, I'm sure. But the high schools that aren't following suit, ironically, are those with mostly Native Americans in it. You know. Evan, it's, yeah.
1: In twenty years, Dan Snyder will be seventy-five years old. Yes. Well, you brought up the twenty year mark. I'm just giving you something else to look forward <laughs> to too.
0: <laughs> um, that's true. Will he still own the team? Probably. No, I say not.
1: And will they, will they have won more than 10 games in a season over the next 20 years? So so, if you made that bet 20 years ago, and you said no, you would have won.
0: Will they win more, more, win more than 10 games one time over the next 20 years? Yes. I mean, the odds favor okay. it. I mean, come on.
1: You would think so, but <laughs> they, they favored it 20 years ago, and that didn't work.
0: That's true. That's true. So I wanted to read three quotes to you from Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller, the new Redskins cornerback who uh, played on a Super Bowl winning team last January, last February uh, in Kansas City. Kendall Fuller, the Kendall Fuller who was traded, part of the trade that brought Alex Smith here in 2018. He was asked three questions that I wanted to just read back um, the answers to. Uh, First of all, he was asked on the differences with the organization now from the first time he played here. And I want you to listen carefully, uh, Tom, okay? Listen carefully to what he said, because there's a, 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 a phrase that he's using that he uses a few times. It's way different, and everybody's still trying to figure it out. Coach Rivera is still trying to build that culture, kind of just shifting everyone's mentality. I think the good thing about it is that everybody's trusting him and just going full steam ahead and just giving all our trust to him. Like we said, just trying to build that culture, a sustainable culture, We have to do that day in and day out to build that, so that's where we're focused on. Then he was asked another question. He said, tell us about Coach Rivera. He said, quote, I think Coach Rivera is just trying to build a different culture. We're just coming in every day with that mentality. Coach Rivera, when he talks about culture, he always makes sure to say sustainable culture. The biggest thing right now is just building that trust. Coach Rivera wants to trust us and we want to trust him. I think that's our main focus as we have to build that day in and day out. And then um, he speaks to um, his time in Kansas City, saying, I think the one uh, thing that I picked up from Kansas City is when you're in the building, the work never stops. They always had us doing walkthroughs a little bit earlier before practice. If we got out there five or ten minutes early, getting out there just to get more reps. If you're in a period and you're not doing anything, instead of sitting around – you got to get up and do something. I think that's probably the biggest thing. If we were on the field, there was no sitting around. We were working at all times. Coach Rivera is already like that, but it's definitely something I took from Kansas City. Now, back to the first two quotes. Culture, sustainable culture, over and over again. You know, and we've had this conversation so many times together over the years, the NFL is designed for every bad team to have a good season. A good season does not make a good organization. A good right, or-
1: the accidental winning season.
0: The accidental winning season. It's designed for it. It's designed for even Washington to have the accidental 9-7 and seven playoff season. The last time they did it was 2015. Um, but that the best organizations have great culture that allows for sustained winning, you know, sus- sustained competitiveness. And this is where I don't want to go crazy, all right, because I know you don't necessarily feel the same way. And I, you know I, what I think of your opinion when it comes to things like this, and that is don't let, you know, history get in the way of your new narrative or your new thought. But I love that Ron Rivera is coming into this situation with eyes wide open. I don't think there's a lot of naivete there. I think he realized when he took the gig what kind of job it was. It wasn't just about reshaping a roster. It was about reshaping an organization and changing a terrible culture into a good culture that gives the organization a chance to have sustained winning, and he's communicating that certainly to his players we 've heard him say it over and over again, and now you 're getting it from the players, you know, which means he is saying it a lot and and Kendall Fuller said coach Rivera talks about culture he always makes sure to say sustainable culture because that's the goal of all of these organizations is to create something that gives you a chance not to win this year but to win for the next 10 years and that's never that possibility has never existed here never not with Joe Gibbs not with Mike Shanahan not with anybody Not with quality coaches. And he's coming in, and I think, Tommy, the difference is he's coming in not to be the coach, not to take the money and be the coach. He's coming in understanding that he's being asked to change the whole organization Um, and that his eyes are wide open and he's very aware of just how bad it's been. If
1: his eyes are wide open, like you say, then he knows the cause. He knows who patient zero is in this virus.
0: <laughs> do you think? Yes, I do. Which makes me curious about the kind of deal he has here, which we don't have any inkling as to what that deal is. The only thing we know is that it's a five-year deal. We don't know anything about the money. We don't know anything about what he got contractually. You know, I, I I remember before the last hire with Gruden, if I were an agent of a coach that had options and, he, and Washington was one of them, I would make sure not only that I had full autonomy, but if the owner uh, basically broke that agreement, he was forced to pay me double on the way out. Like I would make it so punitive if he got involved to a, to the degree that he's gotten involved in before, which has been damaging to the organization. But I also, Tommy, let me also just mention that I think Ron could have been convinced, and it's true to a certain degree, that Bruce was a big problem too. And it wouldn't surprise me if Gibbs said, Dan will get out of your way if you win. To your point, he better make it happen quickly. Bruce is the problem and he's gone. All
1: that is feasible. Look, if they win... And win quickly, and Ron Rivera becomes so would become so so beloved and popular that that's that's his shield against the owner's dysfunction. Uh, but sometimes even that doesn't protect you from it. I mean, you know, Mart it didn't protect Marty, you know, who went eight and three in his last eleven games. Uh, so it doesn't always protect you. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure that Ron Rivera uh, really truly recognizes. Uh, he hasn't seen Dan Snyder yet, and uh, I'm sure he's probably saying, "What are people talking about? This guy's great, you know. I mean, he's been he's been absolutely wonderful for me, you know. I haven't seen the horns or the tail or anything like that, you know. So I mean, I'm." Still very skeptical uh, because I don't think they'll be a good team uh, early on. Uh, and I, once football starts, I think you're going to have an owner who's going to be involved in the football operation, just like he's always been to some extent.
0: Uh, you might be right. You might be right. Uh, I would certainly, I wouldn't bet that it works. I've made that statement before, but I do like Ron Rivera. I liked him as a football coach, and I like his. I liked his answer to "Do you have any regrets?" Um, I, I believed it. I know you didn't. Um, I also like that I hear culture and I hear sustainable culture, and I see a guy that went in and took a two and fourteen program that wasn't very good and turned it around in Carolina, um, and. I I just think that he, um, I think he knows, you know, I, I mentioned Bruce, but I think he knows Dan's part of the problem too. Uh, and I hope he built something in contractually to protect himself from that. I, I, th- I think that you're onto something and you've been onto something about getting results quickly, but yet um, other than chasing Amari Cooper for a big deal, You know, it's not like they went after every big free agent and they had plenty of space and plenty of cap space and plenty of money to do it. And he keeps talking about a three, four, five military, you know, change in culture. I know. Almost as a way to say to the owner, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to live with this. Um, Yeah, uh, but,
1: but, I I mean, that's not a new message. That's what every coach says. True. When they come in to take over a bad team. And I'm sure the owner has heard it before that it's gonna take three, four, five years to turn this around. And eventually that gets stuck in the recesses of his brain that don't work.
0: Yeah. Yep. Probably true.
1: Um I mean, that's not an old that's not a new message. No. I mean I, if I was the owner, I would and I was taking over I hired a coach to take over a three thirteen team, I wouldn't expect any kind of playoff results until until the fourth year.
0: Okay, so that leads me into this, which I'm going to get to right after I mention Window Nation. Window Nation um, has a great deal going right now. Um, Many of you know that I've been a longtime endorser of Window Nation. Uh, I do, as much as any product that I've endorsed over the years, I am so confident that if you use Window Nation, it, it will work out for you. It's worked out for so many of our listeners over the years. It's worked out for me, family members, friends. Um, and they've got a really, really good deal going right now that you can take advantage of. And that is they are celebrating, A, their anniversary this month, and B, their one millionth window installed. And right now, if you call Window Nation at eight six six ninety nation or you go to windownation.com and you mention my name, you're going to get 50% off on all window styles. Plus, Window Nation will defer your payments on all windows for two years. No money down and no interest. Interest as well. Window Nation right now is one of the leading window uh, companies in the in the industry. They have been killing it during this pandemic because so many people have focused in on their home since they've got to be at home all the time. If you're th- if you've been thinking about windows, get them changed now. Winter will be here before you before we know it, and you'll get significant energy savings. Fifty percent off all style windows. Plus, Window Nation will defer your payment for two years with no interest. Call them at eight six six ninety nation or go to windownation.com. That's eight six six ninety nation or windownation.com and mention my name. So let me get to this. Um, I guess it was confusing for some listeners this morning, and I'll pitch it the same way I pitched it to them, and I'll see if, if you get it or not because it sort of dovetails on the conversation that we were having there at the end um, about whether or not they'll ever win. Tommy, if the Skins were just a normal, middle-of-the-pack NFL franchise with none of the ancillary issues that they've had caused by a bad owner and a bad team president and bad general managers, etc., just a franchise that was... You know, nondescript. The Carolina Panthers, the Chicago Bears, not great franchises, but far from the worst. You know, franchises that aren't mocked consistently for being bad on the field and incompetent off it, like the Washington football team. If you could pretend for just one moment and act as if the situation were normal, this goes to your Alex Smith thing. If all things were equal, so it's a hypothetical. It's a sports talk hypothetical. So pretend for a moment that you can erase the fact that Dan Snyder owns the team, that it's been going through tough times, that it's been a laughingstock, that the team president didn't say things like, "winning off the field," or "We're close," or "Our culture is damn good," that they were just, you know, owned by a nondescript, uninvolved owner and they were a middle-of-the-road franchise who just hired Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, and they've got some nice talent on defense, and they just drafted Chase Young, and they've got a quarterback who last year the football people picked at number 15 overall. Would it change the way you think about this team? Because in many ways, if you can step outside of reality, and pretend for a moment that they're a normal organization, it will allow an objective football evaluation or assessment. And so I laid it out that way and then said, if you can put yourself into that mindset, how many games do they win this year and how quickly will they get to the playoffs? How long will it take before they're a playoff team? first of all was that too difficult to understand no okay. very
1: very understandable okay uh it, it helped that while you were talking i popped a couple of my stupid pills uh so <laughs> so I, I could fully grasp it right and that it seems they seem to be kicking in right now
0: okay good so well but good i got to you before the stupid pills picked, uh, kicked in so yes. if you could play pretend and act like this is just a normal, nondescript franchise, and now now we just started to talk about the football operation, it's almost a question about, well, how optimistic would we be?
1: I think you should be optimistic. Me too. Uh, a a first-round quarterback, uh, a young defense that, uh, you know, you have to figure that part of the problem was coaching for their failure to achieve more last year than, than they did. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's an optimistic picture without the disease.
0: Right. Right. Yes. It's uh, a
1: clean bill of health.
0: I, I don't know what made me think about this. I think it was the Kendall Fuller quotes, and I just started to think, you know what, I really am optimistic about Ron Rivera. However, there is this disease as you describe it, which we all know exists and has been the problem for 21 years. No matter, you know, you can blame Bruce and you can blame Vinny. He hired these people. He, he gave them some authority. Um, but if you step back from that I think they have a really good coach. I do think he's a good coach. I don't want to hear from the people that tell me that I'm overrating Ron Rivera and that he's only had three winning seasons. He coached there for eight and a half seasons and went to the playoffs four times and won three divisions and went to a Super Bowl after a 15-1 and season. Tell me that you wouldn't take that right now over the next eight and a half years if you're a Washington football fan.
1: I have no reason. Based on the, the information we have, there's no reason to believe that Ron Rivera is not a good coach. He's a, a great good, coach, not necessarily, but a good coach.
0: He's a good coach, and you know, he's a defensive head coach. And the talent on this team happens to be on defense where we think it's underachieved here recently, and we blame the defensive coaching staff, which I think probably deserves you know, a significant portion of the blame. His teams were always good defensively, hard-nosed, smart defensively. And we know that if you play really good defense, you're a competitive team, doesn't make you a playoff team. But then you get to, on the flip side, If they didn't have the owner who basically made the selection of Dwayne Haskins at number 15 in the 2019 draft, maybe we would feel differently about the quarterback. I'm already optimistic about the quarterback, even with with the disease context around it. I think Dwayne's got a a chance to be a good quarterback. So if we took all of the shenanigans and acted like they didn't exist – I think I'd be very optimistic about the future of this team. I would be thinking that they'd have a chance to go 8-8 eight and eight this year and be in the playoffs or certainly be a playoff contender in 2021. I agree with a
1: lot of what you said. I mean, you know, without, without the owner, without the aura of self-destruction that has engulfed this franchise for more than two decades, reasonable people can think, if you have a good defense, and they should have a good defense, you can keep yourself competitive in most games, and your first year being competitive could wind up being 8-8. Eight eight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, Tommy, you know, one of the things that's interesting is if you, you know, there a lot of the NFL analysts out there that are less involved in just how bad it is here, They're optimistic about Washington being a potential good team. Um, You know, it's funny because, you know, I've had conversations with Adam Schefter on and off the air. You know, and Adam's so plugged in, maybe more so than any reporter, NFL reporter out there. Certainly he has more. Would you say that Adam Schefter is the number one followed NFL reporter in media? I
1: think so. I think the most fucked
0: in. I think one of the things that I've I've always I mean I like Adam a lot and I I know you do too. Um but you know he used to, he's told me before you know people they may have a problem with Dan but they you know they don't have as much of a problem with him as you think and they don't have as, and they definitely don't have as much of a problem with with uh, Bruce as you think. Bruce is respected. He told us that one day. And so I my mean, my point is there are some people out there That aren't in the day-to-day like we are, you know, suffering from what we've had to suffer from over 21 years. That just are able to look at the uh, organization from a football standpoint only. And a lot of those people actually say, look out. I'm I'm trying to think. Uh, Bucky Brooks. Bucky Brooks, who covers the NFL for NFL.com, NFL Network. I think he was the one that said there's going to be a parade in that city in a couple of years. With what they put together.
1: Well, well, look, you had the moron who was doing Monday Night Football last year before the Redskins played, declared what a great job that Bruce Allen was oh doing. Oh,
0: my God. What a great Bo- 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 Booger said that, didn't he? Yeah.
1: I said, heck,
0: field. Whoa. Yeah. So, that...
1: I mean, that's, that's an indication of – well, that could be an agenda-driven because he was tight with Bruce. But that's an indication – of the difference out, outside, as opposed to up close,
0: right? Yeah, that was strange. Um, they're not I the mean, mon-
1: most. Most people have not heard the terms "winning off the field." Or, I think it's a damn good culture. Yeah, most people out outside of our market aren't familiar with those terms, which have become biblical to
0: us. Yeah, they have been. Do you ever ever think that we blow it out of proportion? No. No, no, no.
1: If you you live with the disease every day, you know how sick you are.
0: I agree with that. You know, I I, I sometimes will have a conversation with people that will say, you know, bottom line is it comes down to players, and a lot of what goes on in the locker room is totally separate from – You know how bad the owner is, and a lot of that stuff gets overblown. But I I, personally, I think you know when you're 50 games or whatever it is under 500 with one playoff win, because I don't even count the '99 season playoff win as Snyder's. That was not he hadn't had a chance to put his. Uh, his fingerprints all over the franchise, in 20 years, that's really a, an indictment, man. In a league that's designed for parity, in a league that's designed for, you know, good teams, bad teams to, uh, you know, have more wins and more playoff appearances, this organization's been in the desert by itself. I mean, you know, you throw in Cleveland and Detroit and, you know, a couple of the others, but... um I don't think that we overblow it either. I think we've seen the damage that's been done uh, over the years with the hires. And as,
1: opposed, as opposed to Detroit, which really is ground zero for the worst franchise in NFL football over time, I think what makes the Washington football team situation look worse is because people recognize how great it can be when it's great which illustrates how far they've fallen.
0: That's a f- I mean, really good point. Detroit hasn't
1: been to, it, uh, to I won an NFL championship since 1957. Okay? Right. I mean, we, 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 uh, people here still recognize how great it can be, which makes it more painful.
0: Which is something that Ron Rivera recognizes, too. And it's one of the things that I like about Rivera and what I've been hearing from him as well is that Rivera has spoken multiple times about the team's history. He hasn't dwelled on it. He hasn't, you know, bathed in in nostalgic, you know, memories. But he was on a team that played this team three times in the postseason in the 80s. And he's talked about what this team was in the '80s and what Joe Gibbs was and what RFK Stadium was like. So there is, you know, this challenge. And that's what he said in 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 response to the question about whether or not he and his family have any regrets taking this job with everything that's been going on. I think he thinks he's the right guy to turn it around. I mean, I'd rather have that guy than the guy that's just come in in here blind, like a Gruden, or you know. I they, get-
1: I get that, and uh, look, we've discussed this before. I really worry about the intelligence of somebody who privately doesn't have regrets about coming to this organization (laughs) between December and now.
0: Well, maybe he's just maybe he knew it was coming. Maybe he knew, maybe he knew that it was going to be something because it always is here, and I'm gonna have to overcome it. But I'm I'm the guy to get us through these things.
1: Well, if he knew that was coming then they should go 16-0 because he should be able to figure out what the other team is going to be doing every week if he's that clairvoyant.
0: Uh, you don't have to be that clairvoyant to have expected off-the-field controversy <laughs> That's and embarrassment. True. That's so, true. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, last thing uh, before we finish uh, Not up.
1: the last thing because i got something I want to get Okay.
0: Into. Well, I was just going to ask you about the Nats. You know, it looks like Scherzer, you know, isn't injured seriously. He gets taken out. Um, after the first inning with a tweaked hamstring, I watched uh, a lot of the game last night. First of all, Soto in his first appearance had an RBI double. He also, very strangely in the first inning, on a sack fly, didn't throw home on a shallow fall, uh, uh, foul ball um, to, uh, to left field. It was weird. Um, but they're four and five. You know, it's a short season. And you know what's really odd? The Marlins, with basically a shell of their team, are five and one. You know,
1: it would be so great if the Marlins wound up winning this. It would be such the perfect statement to this season. If there <laughs> is a season still. It'd be so funny if the Marlins wound up winning it.
0: Yeah. Um all right.
1: I got I got nothing for you on 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 the All mat. right, give me you what know, you have. Different? Okay. Uh Pete Hamill died. Do you know who Pete Hamill yeah, is? Yeah,
0: the New York Times, the New York uh, you know, long time columnist. News,
1: New, yeah. York, yeah. New York Post.
0: I heard Tony talking Uh, about him. I've heard Tony talk about him in the past.
1: Oh, I mean, one of the great newspaper columnists of of his era. I mean, at one time, the New York Daily News had Pete Hamill and Jimmy Breslin in the same paper. I mean, they're in the 70s, you know. They're in the Son of Sam thing. They were both working for for the Daily News. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable. Uh, These guys were columnists. They were metro columnists. They were city columnists. It's a different kind of a reporter. Uh, and their personalities come to identify with the city. Like Mike Royco in Chicago right. was, was like that. Uh, Mike Barnacle was like that in Boston until so he got busted for plagiarism. Uh, Steve Lopez in Philadelphia uh, at the Inquirer was like that. Pete Dexter at the Philly Daily News. These are guys... Who would go out of the street and tell the story of the city through everyday people? Uh, and I wanted to be that. That was that was my goal.
0: Was For he years, your? Who was your, guy, who was your guy?
1: Who was your guy? Well, Breslin was my guy. I wanted to be Jimmy Breslin. That's who I want. I wanted to be him. And when I was working at the Baltimore Sun, and I was the editor of one of their suburban editions. Remember, the Post used to have, like, a Maryland edition yeah. and then a D.C.? Well, I was, the edit- I was the editor of the Howard County edition, and I got to write a column with that. And I worked so hard on that because I figured that was going to be my path to be able to with get... With the Sun. You- yeah, but the Sun, they had main paper columnists, you know, like, like the Metro column. Right. I was just writing for one of the suburban sections. Uh, got it. Uh and uh, I wanted what, like in, in Baltimore, it was Dan Rogers and Michael Leslie. I wanted to do what they did, and I wanted to do it so bad. And I, I, won, uh, I won first place in the National Society of Newspaper Columnists uh, in 1986 for columns I wrote for the Howard County edition. But that never happened. It just never happened. Now, I became a sports columnist which is certainly, in my mind, the next best thing Mm -hmm. and what I wanted to do when I was 10 years old. But when I got in this business and I saw the heart and soul that uh, a local columnist can have, that's what I wanted to be. And it just didn't happen for me. So I never really achieved what I wanted to in this business. It's interesting, in Washington, since I've been here in 83... The Post only has had one guy, one person, who has come close to that, and that's Mark Fisher. He was pretty good at it. I mean, you gotta have what we call—you gotta have legs to go out to be a Metro columnist. You can't sit in your house and be right?
0: Right. Of course not. You can't. And you can't. Fischer, you can't sit in a bar in Sydney during the opening exactly, ceremonies.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Mark Fisher, but the Post never really had anyone who was like a Breslin. Or Pete Hamill. Uh, Pete Hamill not only w- was a great columnist, he dated Shirley MacLaine. Oh, really? When sh- yeah, when Shirley MacLaine was hot. <laughs> he dated Jackie Onassis.
0: Oh my God, I didn't know yes. this.
1: Yes, this guy. You know, this is why you. It-
0: <laughs> this is why you respect him <laughs> so much. No.
1: No, 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 I do. That's part of it. There's a line in uh, the paper where Robert Duvall says to, says to the uh, Glenn Close, who's trying to get a raise, that we live in their world, the world of the rich, the world of the elite, but we are not of their world. <laughs> Pete Hamill made the crossover.
0: Yeah, he did. He it was, sounds like it. He was
1: of their world. Did Breslin? Most of us don't make that. Breslin, no. Breslin didn't care about any of that. Right. Jimmy Breslin was married to the same woman for years. And uh, Jimmy Breslin, all he cared about was uh, reporting about New York City. And and still to this day, I have two collections of columns, book columns, by Jimmy Breslin that I read both of them at least once a year. And just to remind me that what I do is child's play.
0: I have a question for you about, you know, street reporters or columnists you like Pete Hamill and, you know, Jimmy Breslin and other people like that. Back in the day, were they recognizable when they were out on the street? Or were they anonymous?
1: I think they were recognizable. They usually had their picture next to their column. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think they were, you know, very recognizable. Particularly a guy like Breslin. Breslin did a lot of TV as well. But he was such a colorful character. as Breslin ran... Norman Mailer ran for mayor of New York one year and Jimmy Breslin ran as his city council president of New York. So Breslin was a character. He he was a larger than life figure in addition to being the greatest metro news columnist of all time.
0: When you get uh, when you get to a certain status as a newspaper reporter or columnist does it get easier for you or more difficult to get stories? I,
1: th- I think it gets easier.
0: It should, I mean, look, right?
1: Son, son, son of Sam wrote Jimmy Breslin. Yeah. Okay? He didn't just write the Daily News. He wrote the Breslin. Yeah. I mean, people want, people know the power that you have. People like what you do. Right. They think they know you, uh, and yes, they will call you. And, and give you tips. It wasn't the greatest movie in the world, but Continental Divide with John Belushi, which I like because it's a newspaper movie, and the character's kind of based on Mike Royko, is an illustration of how people will recognize you and give you information. So, yeah, the bigger you are, the the easier your job is to get the, the, those, those stories. But you earn that right, you earn that status every day in the newspaper when you write. You earn that.
0: Let's not forget, you know, one of the biggest examples of that would have been, uh, you know, Greg Grantham and Darby Shaw. I mean, she wrote the Pelican Brief, and then they she searched out Greg Grantham, Denzel Washington, and 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 gave, gave him a copy of the Pelican Brief, which led to the, you know, um, Victor Matisse, I think his name was, who was the president's biggest donor, president's biggest donor, and he's the one that had the judges knocked off so that he you can know, get to that oil my, in New Orleans. My,
1: not one of my favorite movies. I don't know why. <laughs> I have to go back and watch that.
0: Um, you know, the, the, that movie actually, out of um, What's-His-Face's uh, novels, um, the guy that wrote all the uh, the lawyer novels, uh, uh, John Grisham. John Grisham. Uh, yeah, the, the Grisham novels that turned into movies like The Pelican Brief and, you know, The Firm. I think the Pelican Brief was the best of all of them, but I think. Really? You, I
1: like. I like the firm. Uh,
0: you know, I've told you that I was celebrating my honeymoon uh, in 1993 um, at the uh, at the Hyatt Grand Cayman, and they were filming at the pool. The scene. And I've told you.
1: That I at know the you same were there time, at the same time. I was at the Holiday Inn down the
0: road. <laughs> you were at a worse hotel.
1: They were filming the bar scene.
0: Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that The Firm is a real... I don't think The Firm's that good of a movie. I think The Pelican Brief is a better movie. Oh, I
1: like The Firm a lot. Oh, by, by my Resident peace, Wilford Brimley, who played oh, a pretty j- good bad
0: guy. He just passed away, right? Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he did play a good uh, a bad guy. The other one that's not bad um, is A Time to Kill, and I think that's Grisham because I think that's the Matthew McConaughey um and Samuel L Jackson uh movie. That's a Grisham novel, right? A Time to Kill. Yes it is. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um Yeah, the firm the firm was okay. The firm was just okay.
1: By the way, my poll at this point. Yeah. After uh after 1 hour, 279 votes.
0: Nice. Very good. Yeah. Uh all right. Uh, do you have anything else?
1: I got nothing else for you, boss.
0: Okay. Um, I'm glad you, uh, you told everybody about, about Pete Hamill, because I think there are a lot of people that are listening that, that know that. And I, and I did see on PTI last night, Tony talking about Hamill as his favorite. Um, and I've heard him talk about Pete Hamill in the now, past as well. Let me
1: recommend a book called A Drinking Life. It's about Pete. It's basically Pete Hamill's biography, but it centers around how alcohol was such a much big part of his life, and he stopped drinking in his later years. Uh, it's called "The Drinking Life." I highly recommend it. Uh, and if you find his columns online, I recommend them as well.
0: You know, remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago or last week about a couple of the doc- music documentaries that have been out there, and I told you that I thought the Leonard Skinner documentary was really good. Yes. Um, There was another music group documentary that was on Showtime over the weekend. It debuted on Showtime, and I just happened to have flipped on Showtime as it was getting started. I don't think this is going to thrill you much because this is definitely an 80s thing, which was, for me, high school and college. But there's a really good documentary on the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's were the first all-female band to play their own instruments and write their own music. Um, Joan Jett was, you know, part of the Runaways prior to that, but that wasn't an all-female band. And the Go-Go's sort of took pop music by storm in the early 80s and had, um, you know, a, a really interesting... Uh, career that was shortened by drugs and debauchery and infighting. And that became very entertaining as part of the documentary Um, for people that
1: sort of like my radio
0: career, sort of like your radio career. Um, Belinda Carlisle was a big star as a solo um, artist, pop artist coming out of that band. Um, But man, these five women Woo! They did some drugs, they drank some alcohol, and they were they, they lived the rock life uh, as an all-female band. And I found that the documentary on Showtime, which aired Saturday night, I found it to be very entertaining. And I, I was very familiar with the band. I can just remember, Tommy, in high school and in college, every girl I knew loved the Go-Go's. And because of that, I remember seeing them at Kings Dominion with a bunch of friends, most, a lot of girls, and probably somewhere else too. Maybe Meriwether. The Kings Dominion though thing was one of those nights where yeah. I don't remember the entire night. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, it was.
1: It was. I've got. I've got one song on my playlist from the Go Go's. Our leps are
0: sealed. Yeah, well, that was their, that and we got the beat, which turned out to be a song that so many movies and commercials, you know, licensed over the years. Um, Anyway, apparently too, and uh, that there was a a Broadway show in recent years about their band. I had no idea. Okay. um, That's it. Enjoy the day, everybody. Stay safe. Stay well. I will be in tomorrow, um, more likely than not. Uh, Still planning on trying to get a couple of days in here between now and the end of the summer before football season starts. Tommy, take care. Uh, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. All right, buddy. I'll see you. All right, that was fun.